Next, ReachMD's special series, Focus on Diabetes. This month, we're taking an in-depth look at diabetes, the disease now affecting nearly 1 in 10 Americans. Tune in all this month for the latest research, treatments, and prevention methods to gain new insights for your practice. Improved living standards and hygiene may be contributing to the rise of type 1 diabetes in children. But does the so-called hygiene hypothesis fully explain the onset of type 1 diabetes in this population? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Lushars, and joining me today from Seattle is Dr. Carolyn Paris, paediatrician and emergency medicine specialist who works at Seattle Children's Hospital and the Centre for Clinical and Translational Research. Today we're discussing the evidence supporting the relationship between environmental factors and childhood onset type 1 diabetes. Welcome, Dr. Paris. Thank you. So what evidence exists for environmental influences in the development of childhood onset type 1 diabetes? There's no direct evidence, but there's a lot of side evidence, a lot of different papers that have been published looking at factors in the environment. The interest in that comes from the fact that we recognize that genetic factors only make up a portion. Clearly, people with a family history of diabetes are more likely to have children that have an onset of diabetes, but as well, we see more and more patients that are coming in that don't have that family history. So estimates of the contribution from genetics range from 30% to 70%. No one really knows exactly, but we know for sure that it's not the whole explanation to why people are developing diabetes. We see an increased incidence happening in the world, and it's very erratic. It's variable by different locations in the world. So there's a very, very high incidence in the United States, and it's particularly in Washington State, as well as in Sweden and Finland, very high rates. So there's actually an interest and an effort to try to do research with people in Sweden that's ongoing with the University of Washington trying to understand why these increased incidences are occurring. In your study that was recently published entitled Environmental Factors Associated with Childhood Onset Type 1 Diabetes, what was the main outcome measure? The main outcome measure was the development of diabetes. So we linked birth records, so data that people recorded before they developed or their children developed diabetes, and then we linked it with their hospital discharge database that we have in Washington State and showed that those folks that developed diabetes had certain increased risks associated with the development of diabetes. What is the hygiene hypothesis? The hygiene hypothesis suggests that improved hygiene and improved living conditions have increased the frequency of diabetes, potentially because of decreased infections that might, by having decreased infections, led to modulation of a developing immune system and thus increased a risk for autoimmune or allergic diseases. There's a couple of other illnesses that are thought of like this, one being multiple sclerosis, which is also seen at an increased incidence in first world countries, and as well asthma, which is kind of the reverse thought. In asthma, there's actually a protective effect of being in unclean environment. People think that being exposed to a dog or a cat may alter your immune system and by doing that protect you from getting asthma. When was the concept of a hygiene hypothesis first introduced? I'm not sure I know the exact answer to that. It's been around for a while and it's been developing 
evidence that might support it, though it's still, I think, very much a hypothesis and no direct evidence to say that there is one particular cause. But certainly there are many diabetes studies going on that are trying to look at those particular causes. Particular viruses have been implicated. Uh, Right now there's an international study that involves looking at the role of cow's milk. So people are trying to look at particular environmental factors, but if there was one we knew that did it, certainly that would be in the news and people would be working to avoid it. Now, what's the overload hypothesis? The overload hypothesis is also known as the accelerator hypothesis, and it suggests that the overload of pancreatic beta cells early on in life may make them more prone to autoimmunity, more receptive to antigenic stimulation and lead to cell death. Overload may be caused by an increased growth rate in their fetal or early life. It might be caused by some kind of early life stress, such as complications in pregnancy, hospitalization when they're children, even psychological stress factors may be involved. But again, there's no direct evidence for that. It's something that we implicate from certain findings, associations that we see in large databases like the one we studied. How many children did you study? So in this study, there were, I think in the end, about 1,800 cases. It's what we call a case control study, where we looked at cases that did develop diabetes and matched them on age and gender to people who did not develop it. And that was a much larger, so that was, I think, on the order of 7,000 kids. We use a one to three ratio. And so we were studying on the order of 10,000 children. And what was the mean age of the children studied? The average age was about seven and a half. And how robust is the evidence that exists that links maternal obesity and type 1 diabetes in kids? There are many, many studies that link obesity as well as the mother actually having diabetes. So that's a very strong risk factor. And we actually excluded those kids because we were trying to specifically look at environmental factors. We excluded mothers of diabetics in our study because we were trying to limit the genetic predisposition. We were trying to really focus on the environmental factors. So there's many, many studies that show that mothers of diabetics themselves will have diabetic children. And we know that a lot of that is the genetic predisposition that they obviously have by having a mother with diabetes. So it's hard to pick apart whether there's actually a factor of obesity separate. So that's, again, part of why we eliminated those folks and tried to look at the environmental factor. And so the increased incidence that we found of diabetes was an odds ratio of 1.2, which is not terribly high, but does confer an increased risk and certainly says to mothers that trying to keep a healthy weight is something you can do to help your child in pregnancy. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Channel for Medical Professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Luchas, and today I'm talking with Dr. Carolyn Paris from Seattle Centre for Clinical and Translational Research and Seattle Children's Hospital, and we're exploring the evidence that exists for the relationship between environmental factors and the onset of type 1 diabetes in children. So, Dr. Paris, what were your other findings in this particular paper? I think for us, the most interesting thing was that there was a protective effect. It was negatively associated if you had a number of indicators that we consider associated with lower income status. So children who had older siblings, and this was a finding that we found that the more siblings you had, the greater the negative association, the greater the protection that we had for each sibling that someone had. There was also an association with unmarried mothers with having had inadequate prenatal care or having Medicaid insurance. All of those reduced the 
incidence of diabetes. Do you know why? No, we don't know why, but the idea that is thought to be going on here is an increased exposure for those children to some kind of environmental factors that modulate the immune system. Um, We do not have immunization data, but there is some idea that giving a lot of immunizations may modulate the immune system, thereby not having children get the real diseases. Getting sick may actually be protective to kids. Being in daycare had an increased negative association, so protected against getting diabetes by being exposed to some of the natural things in the environment. It may actually protect, and those in lower socioeconomic statuses may be more exposed and not as cleanly, we might say. Certainly people are clean, but being exposed to environmental antigens has a protective effect against diabetes. How representative was the population you studied, do you think, of the national population of children with type 1 diabetes? I think it's an excellent representation by being a statewide database, by being data that's collected before people actually develop diabetes. It's robust to recall bias that we often see in smaller studies. I think the U.S. is got a high incidence, and Washington State is reflective of that. We're participating at Children's Hospital in the Search for Diabetes Study, which is a CDC-funded national study, and we're one of the sites, and we were chosen because we have a higher ethnic population, and we know that the incidence of diabetes is even higher in many ethnicities. So we want to study that and understand why, and that's part of why Washington State was picked. You mentioned earlier that Sweden has a high incidence of type 1 diabetes in children as well. Do you know why that would be? They are a very, very first world socioeconomically advanced society. So I think it could be related to that along with the hygiene hypothesis. They're also at a similar latitude to us. So the temperature, the environment is not unsimilar. So it might relate to that. Again, all of these are hypotheses because nobody knows what causes diabetes, and it's the first thing in the emergency department that I say to new parents of newly diagnosed diabetics, there's nothing you did or didn't do that we know of that could have changed this outcome because parents are always riddled with guilt, and really, these are hypotheses we don't understand. We want to understand because it's a huge impact to our society, even just the increased younger age we're seeing means more years of burden of this disease and it's expensive to society and it's certainly devastating to those families. As a paediatric emergency physician, how did you become involved in this particular type of research? My daughter actually developed diabetes when she was one, so it has a special place in my heart trying to figure out how to prevent other kids from getting it. Do you talk to the parents of your patients about your personal experience? Does it help them? I do. I, uh, the kids often get a big smile. You see a glassy-eyed stared because it's really hard to think that the doctor really knows what you're feeling. But when I do share that, I think they pipe up with a few more questions about what does it really feel like to have to have an injection every time you eat a meal? How do you cope? What do you do? And so I get a lot of questions related to that. What research do you think needs to be done then in the field of type 1 diabetes in children? I think a lot of research is being done, but we just need more of. There's brilliant researchers trying to look at all these causes, trying to understand the role, and the beginning is this search study that we've got going on that's looking at the basic epidemiology of the disease to really understand what the incidence is. It took a long time for us to really recognize how it was on the rise because We didn't have good databases. In Sweden, every single patient in their country has entered into a database, and we don't have anything of that kind. So to really understand how factors affect it, we need to know who's getting it. How important do you think it is to understand gender differences in type 1 diabetes in kids? 
there isn't a huge gender difference for diabetes. So in general, it is very important. I think the ethnic differences are more important. While we don't want to focus on one particular ethnicity, I don't think that it's the genetic basis of that. I think it's the environmental differences, but certainly the incidence in the African-American population, in the Hispanic population, in the Asian population, there's much higher incidence of it. And as people move from other countries and immigrate to our first world country, those ethnicities are seeing a greatly accelerated incidence of diabetes as they move into our environment. So we need to study that to understand what the cause is. What's the next part of research that you're going to do? Well, I'm still involved in the search study, and I am eager to help with that. As well, I would love to link with the school systems because I think that there's a rich partnership that has not been tapped into and that in terms of the actual care for these kids that already have the diabetes, that's where a big bulk of it is happening and where we can really make an impact. If you were given an unlimited amount of resources, a huge wad of money, what would you do? I would continue what we're doing. I mean, there's areas of research that are trying to look at the cause. There's areas of research that are trying to prevent it. There's areas of research that are trying to develop an external pancreas. So whether that be by transplant of pancreas cells or the technology that we have now, insulin pump, continuous glucose sensors that could be linked but haven't been yet, a huge wad of money might push any one of them forward, but we don't really know which is going to be the most successful. So they're happening in parallel. And the discovery in one area, if we can find medications that allow people to have transplants more safely, not have all the side effects of transplants, we would be helping many, many more than just the diabetics because many people need transplants for many different reasons. So I think we just need to keep doing a lot of research. We need to keep funding that research because the United States is certainly the leader that's going to affect worldwide how we manage diabetes and other diseases. Well, my thanks to you, Dr. Carolyn Paris from Seattle Children's Hospital. We've been discussing the environmental influences on the development of childhood type 1 diabetes. We welcome your comments and suggestions through our website at reachmd.com, which now features our entire medical library in on-demand podcasts. Thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Diabetes. For a program guide and complete list of shows, please visit us at reachmd.com.